All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. We are thrilled you're here. Hey, before we get started, can we say thank you to Jordan Victoria Lewis for that sermon last week? Unbelievable, unbelievable sermon. Lisa and I were in Scottsdale with this group, The Wellspring, last week, and we were uh, watching Friday night. We snuck away to watch in our hotel room, and we were just hanging on every word. And at the end of her sermon, she said amen, and I jumped out of the bed, and I stood up on the hotel bed, and I was screaming, Jordan, yes, she did that. So anyway, we love you, Jordan. We love you. Uh, fun news, just, I'm just going to give you a little family update here. Some of you who've been tracking with our story for a long time know that 15 years ago we were $26 million in debt, like hurting, and global economic recession, and at the beginning of this year, we were, sorry, of 2022, we were $9.6 million, and we as the elders felt like the Lord was saying, it's a year to be debt-free, let's go. And so we put that in front of you, and you gave, and you gave, and you gave, and as of this week, we are at $2.7 million in debt. So praise the Lord. God is taking care of it, and we can't wait. Pastor Brady said this week, he said, I can't wait to have a barbecue outside of the church and and start a little bonfire and drop that mortgage right in the flames. He said, we're going to just have a party. So uh, praise God for what he's doing. For you double dippers, I'll be preaching this again twice on Sunday, probably slightly, just a little bit better. So double dippers, just be warned, I'll be doing this again on Sunday. You can go, you can come or you can go to Waffle House. Okay, (laughs) Matthew 5, Matthew 5, as we start our new series, the Sermon on the Mount, what I'll do is I'll read you Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and then we'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from King Jesus. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you to teach us tonight. I do not have what it takes as Daniel Wilson Grothy to get this work done. This has to be done not by power and not by might, but by the spirit of the Lord. And so we say, come Holy Spirit and speak to us tonight. Take these ancient words and make them new. Take these words on the page and make them leap in our spirits. Take these words and rearrange our lives. We pray, heal us, deliver us, restore us, challenge us, make us your people tonight. 
Lord, we pray, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, we pray tonight in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Founding documents are critical for the formation of any society. Founding documents are critical for the formation of any society. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among them are life, liberty, and founding documents are critical for any society. Where are we going? What direction are we pointing? What's, what's the, the ideology that we're gathered around? What does unity look like? And This Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is the founding document of Christianity. The Sermon on the Mount is the most iconic sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's the longest one that he preached. It's Jesus' hello world moment. So you want to find the throbbing center of the heart of Christianity, memorize Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Get it in your eyes, get it in your soul, get it in your being, get it in your body. Live this story out and you'll have the founding document available to you. Matthew 5, 1 and 2 is, if you're a, a, a Jewish person, it's got these Old Testament resonances. Old Testament resonances. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a... Moses, 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 Moses. This is what they're hearing. Oh, he went up on a mountainside? What? And he, he sat down? That's what rabbis do. The rabbi sits down and his disciples came to him. So the rabbi goes up on the mountain, the high place, the place of authority, the place where God is close. You can hear from him. And he sits down and people press into Jesus and he began to teach them. This is, these Hebrews would have been going, something significant is happening here. This is the founding document. And Jesus, we discover as we keep reading, is the greater Moses, the true Moses the true deliverer, the one who actually came to be God's let my people go. Moses just said it. Jesus came to do it. Jesus came to embody let my people go. And so this is the founding document and it's the Beatitudes is the section that we're looking at tonight. And the key word, the, the, the major word that reappears in this sermon right and left is the, the Greek word makarios which means blessed. Makarios, take it a little deeper, it's happy, it's blessed, it's fortunate, it's lucky, it's this explosion of goodness. Whoa, like the good life. Makarios is, like you wanna know what the good life is? Jesus is saying, Makarios, 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 blessed, blessed, happy, happy, fortunate, fortunate. Lucky, lucky, lucky are the people who live this way. So this Greek word makarios is the key word that I want you to pay attention to. And our first beatitude tonight that we're going to look at, we're going to go five, six, seven, and eight, and next week we're going to come back to one, two, three, and four. So the, the beatitude that I want you to see tonight that Jesus gives us is, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. But what is mercy? I think we... We kind of create our own synonyms. We, we think we know what mercy is. We'll, we'll say that mercy is it's kindness, it's forgiveness, it's gentleness, it's, it's graciousness, it's being merciful. But the Hebrew word for mercy is related to the Hebrew word for womb. 
a linguistic connection between mercy and womb, which is to say that mercy is womb-like mother love. There's something about a great mom. Have you ever been nurtured? Have, have you ever someone, maybe it wasn't your biological mother, maybe there's pain there for you when you think about biological mother, but surely somewhere along the road, you bumped into someone who knew what womb-like mother love was. They, they tickled your back at night, or they prayed blessing over you, or they fed you their famous pie, or have you ever been around a woman who's just deeply loving and peaceful and safe, and, and you just want to be close? That's what mercy is like. From what I hear, pregnancy is terribly intrusive. <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've seen it a few times. I've been part of it just, just very li- uh, But what I hear is it just takes you over, like a human grows inside of you and, and takes up all of your space. And mercy, mercy is the capacity to carry someone else's story within you. Mercy is the ability to nurture someone else's life within you. Mercy is the ability to have someone else's story growing in you. Mercy is is the ability to protect, to in womb, to surround someone else's story so that they're safe. They're kind of mooching off of your strength for a little bit. They're being fed through the umbilical cord of your kindness, (laughs) Mercy is the dream of someone else's well-being growing within you. But people can be difficult, can't they? (laughs) That difficulty hardens us. It steals our souls. We go, I'm not going to be hurt again. I'm, uh, you're not going to, I was good to you. I was merciful to you. And then you made me pay. That'll be the last time that happened. And we strengthen ourselves and our resolve and the defense mechanisms go up. It happens to all of us, but there's good news because one of the frequent promises of the Old Testament is that God would replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. He knew that things would happen to us that would harden us and that we would be rigid and and we would reject and we would want to circle up the wagons and protect number one. That's a natural human instinct. But God says when the spirit is poured out, I will take that hard heart out of you and I will give you a soft heart, a heart of flesh with new and right desires. Jeremiah says it. Ezekiel says it. The writer of Hebrews picks it up in the New Testament. Friends, the promise of God is that he would do something deep within us that would make us merciful again. Hearts of feeling and hearts of tenderness and hearts of compassion. Can we thank God for a God who is willing to carry our story? To be merciful to us. Jesus, the blind and the lame and the crippled and the the poor and the sick and the needy and the disenfranchised and the marginalized, all the wrong people. Jesus is going out to the fringes and and hooking them in and bringing them into the center, taking the people who showed up in the back of the room and making them the heroes of the story through his mercy. I heard the story last year and I told it one time, but it it bears repeating a, a lady who was in a very, very, very difficult and even dangerous marriage dangerous marriage and she tried and she tried and she tried and finally it was just like I I can't 
And she goes to court with a broken heart and, and the, the marriage is dissolved and years later she finds just a thoroughly decent man and he's honorable and, and, and they fall in love and they, they get remarried and, and she's just thriving. This is what it's like to be loved. Oh. 20 years go by and her first husband, she discovers, comes down with stage four cancer. The first husband that worked her over in just, just a terrible existence, like brutal, iron fist kind of a regime, like living in terror. And she hears about her first husband 20 years later who comes down with stage four cancer and he's poor and he doesn't have medical care. And she looks at her second husband and he kind of nods his head. And they took that man in their home. And they bathed him. And they fed him. And they prayed for him. The three of them sat at the kitchen table for dinner until the day he died. Mercy. Womb like mother, I'll take your story in. Even though you crushed me. I will love you. And this man, it had to be a team. We will love you. Even though you broke the woman that I love, we will love you because everyone deserves to be loved. And Jesus says, Makarios, happy, fortunate, lucky, blessed. You want the good life? Fall in love with mercy. Friends, we're living in a world that needs mercy. So I say to you, one of the greatest prayers you could ever pray is, Lord, make me merciful. Make me merciful. It doesn't have to be hard or complex. Lord, make me merciful. Take my heart of stone. Give me a heart of flesh. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. The second beatitude tonight that I want you to see Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Can you hear the joy in this proclamation? Blessed are the pure in heart. Like, get ready. You're gonna have face-to-face contact with God. Like Moses, who climbed up on Mount Sinai, it said, and he, he communed with God. He spoke to God as a man speaks with his friend face-to-face. The Hebrew translation is actually better. He spoke to God mouth-to-mouth. The intimacy of purity of heart. And when you live that way, you you see God. David, who had blown it up, King David, he'd started off pure in heart. He was that young shepherd boy. He was the worship leader. He was out writing psalms in the field. And and, oh, I sing praises to your name, oh Lord. I sing praises. He just wants God. God, David gets the the horn of oil poured on his head and he becomes king of Israel and and years stack up and power breaks him and David steals Bathsheba and and we know the whole story. David, David becomes a shell of a human being. He was pure in heart and now he can't see God. And when he's caught, when he's trapped, when he, when he discovers that the prophet Nathan knows what's going on, he falls on his knees and in Psalm 51, he says, cleanse me with Hyssop and I will be clean and wash me and I will be whiter than snow. 
Many of us immediately, when we think about purity of heart, we, we think of sexual purity, which of course is a part of this. It's a huge part of this. But, but purity of heart goes deeper. It goes into the invisible realm, the, the realm of the motives and of thought and the realm of our speech and what will you say when they aren't in the room and all that kind of stuff, like purity of heart to the deepest molecular spiritual level, we're clean before God and we know what it is to lose that. And have you ever noticed, have you ever experienced this when you were living a life of sin or you were, you were hiding, you had secrets, you were kind of running around, you were a shifty character? And Have you ever noticed that if, if purity of heart means you see God, have you noticed that the inverse is also true, that the impure of heart, they can't even look you in the eye? Have you ever seen that? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever lived a life where you were around the presence of the Lord and you were kind of looking at your shoes? Or you were in a room with people who were excited about something. They had dreams pulsing through their heart. And they're like, Lord, what are you saying this year? And you're like, I haven't felt that in a decade. I used to know what that was like. And you're, you're, this is why the psalmist said in Psalm 3 that God is the glory and the lifter of our heads. Because when he restores us, you can make eye contact again. <laughs> when he restores us, you can, you can talk to people. When, you, when, he, when he restores us, you don't have to have anything to hide. There's no shame in your game. There's nothing to hide. Why? Because you're clean. And Jesus says, blessed are they. Like, you think you'll be happy if you're keeping secrets and running around? You will be miserable and you'll make everybody else around you miserable. But the pure in heart, they may, they may forego temporary pleasure, but they'll have that deep, long, lasting, eternal pleasure where their heads are lifted and their smile is bright and they've got God locked in the eyes and they're able to look around and see their neighbors. Blessed are the pure in heart because you can see the world again. Friends, you wanna change the world, spend your life praying, Lord, give me purity of heart. Give me purity of heart. I just want to be clean, God. I just want to be clean. I'm feeling temptation. God, I'm feeling frustrated. God, I'm feeling like I want to cut a corner. God, it, would you be, it seems like it would be so much easier if I could just get a straight line to that pleasure. God, give me purity of heart, I pray. That's the second beatitude we're looking at tonight, purity of heart. The third, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus is raised and Paul gets knocked off his horse. He was the artist formerly known as Saul, persecuting Christians. You know the story, running around with papers from the, the temple and all this stuff. And, and finally, Jesus says, I'm done with that. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Blinds him for three days. He goes to straight street. Someone takes him there. And then the man of God comes and prays over him. His eyes are open and Saul becomes Paul and he becomes the great apostle of the New Testament, writes two-thirds of the New Testament. And you know the story, but, but Paul, when he launches his ministry, basically a fight breaks out right away. Where two or three are gathered, there's gonna be a fight. <laughs> People got opinions on what the carpet needs to look like at the church, and well, I don't like the new landscaping, I would've painted it differently. Shut up, we don't care. We just don't care. Thank you. Make peace, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> but the fight breaks out and, and, and the fight is between the Jews and the Gentiles because the Jews are going, wait a second, 
Jesus was a Jew. Like, he's our guy. He's our guy. And the Gentiles go, well, we got saved. He's our guy. And they're, you know, they're trying to. And Paul steps into that situation, the fight that broke out right when his ministry started. And he says this, for he, Jesus. What does Paul call Jesus? For he himself is our peace. Who has made the two groups one. And has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And he goes on to say his purpose, Jesus came to create in himself, in his body, one new humanity out of the Jews and the Gentiles, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. I was thinking today... Seems like a summary of Ephesians 2 is that Jesus is peace, and the only thing he's willing to kill is the spirit of hostility. Jesus is not soft. He's not just this, you know, Santa Claus giving out whatever. Like, he, Jesus knows how to go hard when he needs to go hard, and what he goes hard against is the spirit of hostility. That's the only thing he will kill. He's coming to make the two groups one, and our world is a tribalistic politically partisan, fighting world. We love to know who the enemy is. It seems like we can't even exist unless we have an enemy. And Jesus goes, hey, come to me and I'll make, I'll make the world one. I'm here to bring peace. I'm here to bring peace. I'm here to bring you eye to eye so that you can talk things out. Last night, I had a dream. And because you don't know my dream life, you'll, you don't know that that's like strange for me. I, my subconscious is like a cinder block. I, I, like, some of you have a subconscious life. It's like hula hoop. You know, you're just like dreaming all night. You just dreams, 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 dreams. And you're just, you bounce out of bed in the morning and you got, you remember them all and you journal and you write poems and prayers from your dreams. I have like three dreams a year. So when I have a dream, I go, speak, Lord. So I had this dream, and initially, I woke up at 4.58, I, right away, like, oh, that happened. And a few years ago, had difficulty with someone. Just natural. This, this someone is not the villain of the story. I'm not the, the hero, and I'm about to just use my bully pulpit to say they were so... But have you ever had difficulty where it's kind of complex and... And you don't even kind of remember all the details, but you just know that we couldn't keep going like that. And I dreamed about this person. And in my dream, I was walking along a building and I came around a corner and there he was. And we looked at each other in the eyes and we both went like this. And we went to each other and we hugged it out. And something broke. And at 4.58, I thought, okay, okay, Lord, I started praying. Okay, bless, you know, bless. 5.30, Lisa reaches over like she does in the morning. She puts her hand on my, my chest and she starts praying. And, she's, and, and, and it hit me. It stuck. What She said, one line, she said, Holy Spirit, if there's anyone we need to reach out to today or remember today, show us.
going and being all prophetic and pastoral and try to heal the world. And, and I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. And after a few years, at about 8.30, after kind of praying it through, Lord, are you sure? Should I just wait? Should I just pray? Should I? I'm basically trying to talk myself out of Lisa's rebuke, you know? I send a text message, and I start with, hey, I know we haven't talked in a while, and I'm sorry if this text message brings you pain. I'm not trying to add pain. But I had a dream about you this last night, and I told him the dream. And I said, and we hugged it out, and I woke up, and that felt really good to me. And so I bless you. I don't want anything but good for you. Daniel. Five minutes later, he texts back. He said, I just dried my face from my tears. He said, not five minutes ago, I said to my wife, I'm aching for the day when it can be made right. And then you text me. Can we get together? And I said, yes, we can get together. I'm gonna sleep real good tonight. And he's gonna sleep real good tonight. And we're gonna get together and we, we'll talk about some of it and we'll name some of it, and but it's not gonna be a scoreboard. It's just gonna be the peace of the Lord be with you. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is peace and the only thing he's willing to kill is the spirit of hostility. Take these words on your lips, Lord. Help me to spend my life making peace. Our fourth and final beatitude for the night, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This present world order that we're living in is not often kind to people of the kingdom. Now, actually, as far as planet Earth goes, we're living in a pretty good moment here in the 21st century West. It, it can be difficult at times, for sure. But go to Afghanistan and be a believer in Jesus. Go to Iran and be a believer in Jesus. Go to the underground church in China and ask them what it's like to follow Jesus. Historically, we're living in a pretty good moment, you and I, even though there are moments where the screws get tightened on us. Pastor William in Lahore, Pakistan, who we support as a church. He's been here three or four times. He's stayed with Matthew and Leah. He's been in our home, a man of God. And if you've seen him or heard him pray, whoa, he's, he's 39 years old, four little girls. They live on $400 a month, $4,800 a year. And he's shown me video on his rickety laptop of the Taliban racing up because they've got cameras around their church racing up and the doors are locked and they've got machine guns and they're trying to jump over the wall to go in and to destroy these people. Like, this is every day. Pastor William, last time I was with him, he had just fled because he was abducted and stripped naked at the border trying to cross over Afghanistan and to get into a place of safety and he got here and I took him to Colorado Mountain Brewery just a mile away and we sat there and he just told me the story and I thought, God, Almighty, would you make me a Christian? Would you make me a Christian? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And some of you know what it's like to live in such a way that you feel 
unhomed. There's no real, like, safe, secure place for you where you feel like you can fully be yourself. You want to follow Jesus and you're trying, and then you go to work, and Monday to Friday, they're just nailing you to the wall. It's not always easy. There are, there are uncongenial spaces to be a follower of Jesus. Some of you know from your family of origin, like you, get, you pay the price for following Jesus and that, that mom or the dad that just needles you nonstop and you go to meals with family at holidays and they just nail you to the wall and you go, will someone just leave me alone? You know what it's like to feel sort of spiritually homeless, relationally homeless. And Jesus says, blessed are those of you who feel like you don't have a home here and now, for you can't imagine the home that's coming your way. You're blessed when you have to live by faith. You're blessed when you have to look up. You're blessed when you have to call out. And, and, and Jesus is not saying it's easy, and Jesus is not trying to go happy, happy, joy, joy, and make us fake, you know, fake it. He's not trying to diminish or minimize. Jesus is just saying, look, if you're having to live by faith, welcome to the story. Blessed are those of you who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so if that's you tonight, what I want to say to you is when your life has you feeling displaced, pray, Lord, give me a home in your presence. Lord, give me a home in your presence. Lord, give me a home among your people. This is why I want you to come to church. I don't need you to come to church because it's job security. I need you to come to church because you need to come to church so you can have an extended family in the faith. When your life is falling apart, you'll have people cir circle you up and lay hands on you and help you figure out how to pay your mortgage and help you learn how to raise your kids and help you learn how to bury your aging parents. How do people do this without the body of Christ? I do not know. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you're squeezed because then I'll really help you find your family. So friends, tonight, I want to put four simple prayers in front of you, and as the band comes, I want us to take a moment here and kind of pray through these one by one. Would you begin to just quiet your heart here? You can keep your eyes open so you can look at the screen, but here's the first prayer I want us to walk through. Lord, make me merciful. Would you begin to pray this one through and Maybe you need your heart of stone to be returned to a heart of flesh. Maybe you need that awakening of that womb-like mother love, that kindness, that compassion, that tenderness. Would you begin to just ask the Lord to make you merciful? Maybe right away you'll think about someone that your, your heart is hardened toward. Could you maybe just begin to extend mercy in their direction, even if it's through prayer tonight? Lord, we pray that you would make us a merciful people that you'd heal our hearts, that you'd make us tender again tonight. The second prayer, would you pray it with me now? Lord, give me purity of heart. Come on, let's pray this together. Lord, give me purity of heart. Maybe there's some things tonight that you need to get rid of, some habits you need to walk away from. Maybe there's even a relationship you need to get some distance from. Maybe it's motives, it's thoughts. Maybe it's in the invisible realm. You look clean, but you know deep down inside there's some impurity of heart. 
you know that you've had your head lowered. Lord, we pray that you would heal us and give us purity of heart. And help us to see God again. The third prayer, would you join me in praying this tonight, saying, Lord, help me spend my life making peace. Who is it easy for you to hate? It's okay, we can say that word in church. Oh my goodness, I don't hate anyone. (laughs) Stop lying. Who is it easy? Like, it's just, when you think of them, it's just, Maybe someone messed you over in your business, stole the business away from you. Maybe someone hurt your child. Ooh. You can do about anything to me. You hurt my people. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children You are a child. You are a family member if you're living in peace. So, Lord, we pray, bless them. Sometimes it's even hard to pray that, but we just pray, bless them. If you blessed us, we can bless them. Final prayer, and would you pray this with me? Lord, give me a home in your presence. I'm praying that some of you tonight who walked in deeply lonely, that you would see in the year 2023 that something would shift. I pray that God would send you your people, that you'd find your tribe, that you'd find your rhythms among the people of God. I pray even some of your family dynamics that have made life difficult, I pray healing over that. Lord, we pray that everyone who's feeling on the run, everyone who's feeling persecuted tonight, that you'd rehome them tonight, that you'd bring them into your presence. Church, would you stand with me tonight? We're gonna do something that we haven't done in two and a half years, and I'm really excited about it. I wanna call our communion servers down front. We've got, yes, we've got six stations. There's a station over there by the door. There's a station over there by those doors, kind of on the walls, there's two stations. And then there's four down front here for these sections. And so what we're going to do, it's going to be a little sloppy tonight because it's the first time welcome to a family dinner, all right? But what you're going to do is we're going to worship and you're going to walk through and what you're going to do is you're going to see people, you're going to pass people and kind of bump shoulders, people you hadn't seen in a while and it's going to be beautiful. I want you to make eye contact as this whole room moves. Come down, you'll take your communion element pack and you'll go back to your seat and hold it there and in just a minute I'll come back up and we'll receive together. Let's worship the Lord as we come forward.